Hey there, folks. We're kicking off today's episode with a cup of tea from the Nepal Tea Collective. Nepal Tea is a social enterprise based in New York that distributes the freshest organically grown teas to different parts of the world directly from smallholder farmers in the beautiful country of, you guessed it, Nepal. You can join us for a cup of tea and be part of the global impact they're creating by visiting nepalteacollective.com. That's nepalteacollective.com. <laughs> Yikes, my cup of tea is already getting cold. So why don't you join me and hop into today's episode? In this captivating episode, Nanjero takes us on a journey through his career at the crossroads of sports, entertainment, and technology. As a passionate enabler and general manager at Soul Generation, he shares his mission of nurturing talent within these dynamic industries. Drawing from his diverse educational experiences across different countries and his exposure to varied cultures, Nanjero discusses the pivotal role that travel and mentorship have played in shaping his journey. He further sheds light on the people who have played an instrumental role in this journey and the skills he has acquired along the way that have propelled his success today. With an insider's perspective on the sports landscape in Kenya, he underscores the urgent need for sustainable infrastructure and ecosystems to foster grassroots growth in this sector. Additionally, he highlights the critical issues plaguing the entertainment industry, such as the lack of professionalism among stakeholders and knowledge gaps, which leave artists vulnerable in the presence of robust government policies and regulatory structures. Nanjero passionately advocates for a global mindset that prioritizes the cultivation of value-driven societies, harnessing the transformative potential of the creative industry to forge lasting impact. Join us for this enlightening discussion at the intersection of sports, entertainment, and technology, guided by an industry trailblazer with a vision for positive change. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages from all around the world listening to this, wherever it is that you're joining us in from, welcome back to the Boardroom Banter Podcast. My name is Bonfa Sambina, also known as the local noisemaker, and today you'll be hanging out with me in studio. I'm usually joined by my co-host Sean Karanja, but he won't be available today. Nonetheless, the show must go on as we bring yet another trailblazer, a captain of his industry, an enabler of his industry. Just to give you guys a bit of background about today's guest, so we met we met last year when I was back in Kenya for the summer. Um, and when I came back, my goal was was to better understand the entertainment industry in Kenya, you know, using Kenya as a canvas of inspiration, as a melting pot, as the melting pot that it is of various various talent, various creative potential um, that is that gathers here every day, every night, that, that collaborate with one another and that really shape youth culture, not just in the country Kenya itself, but East Africa, Africa, and different parts of the world. And so I met this gentleman when I was working for Soul Generation at um at one of their their flagship events. And you know, we'll talk a bit more about that during the episode. But um today's guest is is a jack of all trades, master of some of these things, and a collaborator and connector in some of the others. Um, he he works at the intersection of sports, entertainment, and technology. Um, in sports, that that is the work that he does as a triathlete. In technology, he does some fantastic work in fintech, and in entertainment, you know, which is the same space that we met in. He works as the fantastic general manager of Soul Generation. That introduction out of the way that said without further ado ladies and gentlemen i'd love to introduce to you mr nanjero hello nanjero welcome to the show thank you man omina with that sort of introduction i think <laughs> i'll always be putting you up to introduce me whatever i go there you man. go I'll spokesperson yeah cheers yeah. cheers um but yeah given that introduction nanjero i'd love to give guys an opportunity to hear from you 
Um, how would you describe the work that you do to a 10 year old? Um, if, if we simplify it to that level. Dope, dope, Omina. First of all, um, I'd really love to thank you guys for having me here. Uh, Boardroom Banter, I think you guys are, are really pushing the needle on narratives that I enjoy. So from listening to now sharing my story is incredible. Um, but what, what would I say? How would I describe what I do? I see myself as an enabler. And um, in all of, I, I, I am based in three broad categories of work, sports, entertainment, and tech. Um, and in those three categories, what I'm, the journey and the stage of my life that I'm at right now is I am building or developing infrastructure where um, talented individuals in these three spaces can be able to express and grow themselves. So right now, my key purpose and key goal is, and the key question I ask myself every day is how can I enable everyone in the ecosystem to be able to grow and be the best version of themselves? That's beautiful, Nanjaro. As someone who has benefited from the aspect of, of enablement that you're doing in the industry, it's definitely something that is, that is well needed and you're executing at a very high level. Cheers. I think, cheers, cheers. Um, I think this summer I've spent, I've spent a lot of time around my yeah. family, right? Which is something awesome. I, I don't get to do often because of, of, of how much I travel. And, yeah. you know, like this past weekend, we we had a family gathering at home and I'm hanging around my cousins, my aunties, and I'm observing certain tendencies that make me think, wait, so that's why I am the way I am. That's why I <laughs> and munch it up. Um, and this just goes to show like the kind of impact yeah. and influence that our, our family environments and childhood environments um, play yeah. in the people that we are today. And I'd love yeah. to, to speak to you a bit about that, Angero. For, for me and for us as a listeners to understand who you are today yeah. and the work that you do, what do we need to know about some of the early childhood environments as well as the people who you are surrounded with and, and how that really translated into, into who you are today? Yeah, no, I mean, you're, 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 you're absolutely right to say that family does shape to a big extent who you are. Because in the early years, um, you spend a lot of time with your family. And to me, family does not mean, mean immediate family. Omina, the other day, I was just checking and asking myself how many hours we spend in school or we spend in the office or we spend outside of the immediate people around us. And to me, that also includes family. And, and, and that's what I always, I always tell the people who I mentor to say that, hey, be careful who you're surrounding yourself with because that's your immediate circle, that's your family, and that's what will influence you. But yeah. for me, I'd say growing up, um, I had a, I had such a such a, an amazing childhood childhood, I'd say, because I grew up with my grandmother. Um, I was raised by my grandmother. My grandmother was an incredible, incredible, incredible lady. It breaks my heart right now to even speak about her on this podcast because we just buried her on Saturday. So I lost my grandmother. And to me, it's bittersweet because one, um, I'm currently feeling the pain, but two, I really do see the lessons that she gave to me and I'm more fired up to even become a better enabler to others. But growing up with my grandmother um, in rural Kenya and uh, growing up in boarding school, uh, was kind of like a double-edged sword where in school I had to learn quite a number of school skills in a boarding setup. One, survival, because um, no one is going to pick up after you. No one is going to do stuff for you. Um, two, the value of compassion, love, and relationships, uh, because that side in school was not as fulfilling as it was if I was in a family setup. But then I used to get this love overload when I went um, back to my grandmother when we closed school. So it's sort of like balanced out. But um, three, the value of being able to live and work with people um, of different personalities. And as a child, of course, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, A, yeah. you need to work with a fair guy. You need to be able to survive with someone who's very angry or someone who's very easygoing mm -hmm. and like this. But being exposed to that and navigating that was quite interesting and quite cool. Um, 
the, the interesting thing is it was quite clear in my mind uh, what I wanted to do when I became, when I got out of school. And I think I deviated a bit, but not too much. Yeah, so what I'd say, Omina, I had two different worlds growing up. One, yeah. um, thrown into the deep end where I had to be raised by different personalities. But two, that love and compassion that was really showered to me by my grandmother was something that has really grounded me to where I am right now. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Nanjo. Yeah. Um, condolences and thanks for um, opening up about that. I, The aspects of what you've spoken about growing up in two different kinds of worlds that I resonate with. When at the peak of my elementary school, when I was growing up in the States, my parents sent me back to Kenya, right? And so I was living with my cousins for for a number of years. And these are my guardians and they're the ones who would show up in school. They're the ones who, <laughs> they're the ones who, who knew about all my mischief and my parents up until this day, they never knew. Um, but I think yeah. I can, just from like, mirroring your experience i can see what what kind of initiative that brings up in someone you know where your independence is built around the circumstances and you you translate the skills the experiences um the lessons as you mentioned into consecutive seasons of our lives right and this this is the 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 next part of the conversation that i'd like i'd like for us to get into a lot of our listeners are are in their 20s, are navigating college, early work life. I think sometimes yeah. it's hard, it's hard to contextualize or or be able to, to mm-hmm. see a clear picture of our our opportunities given given the world that we live in, right? How diverse yeah. our industries are changing, how our education systems are changing, and perhaps not changing as quickly as the job market needs them to, but that's another conversation. Um I'd be very curious to understand what you were doing in your 20s and how you viewed the opportunities around you, right? When when I get on the internet and when I put on the TV, I see fintech, I see blockchain, I see cryptocurrency. And these are trends around careers and trends around current affairs that perhaps in one way or another influence my own career decisions. What yeah. was the How did the world look like for you when you were my age, Nanjero? How did you view the opportunities around you? And what are some of the trends that were influencing your decisions, um, as, as I earlier mentioned? Yeah. So how, how I transitioned this uh, particular point from the early childhood to that, to early life, is normally um, a lot of people think that, that um, successful people have a turning point, and that turning point is normally tragic. It's true, sometimes someone will have uh, a milestone event that will happen that will really shake them to the core and then they will have to now be pushed the needle and take a certain direction. But it's important for me to mention that, yes, turning points do exist, but also turning points don't have to be tragic. Um, a turning point can be, and this is now where I'm moving into, a turning point can be you like really getting some amazing mentors and you... Um, getting into spaces, uh, networking into spaces where you see opportunity firsthand and you see that growth and you're exposed to that growth and someone holds your hand and you move and you move with that growth. But now to my personal experiences is when I was a young man in my 20s, I went to uni. I went to uni. My undergrad was in USIU in Kenya. And then I did my master's in the UK in London. And I'm extremely grateful that I did my master's in the UK in London because it exposed me to a different world, a different way of thinking, a different culture. And this is one thing that I'd really encourage everyone. Travel does a lot for you. Travel does uh, does a lot for you beyond vibes. Hatukuli to vibes because you will experience so much. I'm telling you, Omina, when I was in Kanaiwa and I was seeing the way guys were moving, man, I was seeing the hunger and the desire of these guys. Um, when I was in uni, we, we were lucky enough to do our work, work experience in Slovenia. Again, Slovenians, um, it's not as successful as, uh, as the UK markets, but a much better market than the African markets. And you can see people our age building companies from scratch, building tech companies from scratch. You can see them being supported by key uh, members of their families to do that. And I saw that first-hand tech thing where 
hey, I, I started my company off the back of the basement of my mother's. I saw that in Slovenia. And these guys were kind enough to show us. Um, looking at the university systems there and the governments there and the amount of energy, time, and the amount of infrastructure they put in supporting young people and their desires and their dreams. So it's that opening up um, through travel. Um, and that I also identified with mentors who helped me. This is, as a young man, the most stunning and the most intriguing thing that I learned was for you to become successful, you have to solve someone's problem. And that I learned those days. So every time I always ask myself, hey, Nanjero, you're saying you want to do this. Are you solving a problem? And imagine it's as basic as that. And if the answer Very is simple. yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, bro. If the answer is yes, now you put in now your other things. Uh, what's a product? What's a brand? What's etc. etc. So, so in 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 summary, Omina, one, um, expose yourself. Two, find individuals who can mentor you, and who can help you see through their lens what they've learned before and what they've learned from their mistakes. Three, find yourself in spaces where. You can be able to explore all of these things that you want to do. Four, and most importantly, make sure your passion is solving a problem. Yeah. Wow. Gems, gems, gems. Hope the listeners are catching on to this. I am so locked into this conversation. <laughs> oh, um, dope. Hold on. Um, Nanjo, when it comes to the three areas that you mentioned earlier in the chat, right? Sports, um, entertainment, and technology. After yeah. you came back from the UK, right, mm -hmm. um, and receiving this kind of level of exposure, right, which, where did you plug in all those skills first and what you learned? Was it in sports? Was it entertainment? Was it technology? And how did that yeah. initial entry point begin for you? Have your pick <laughs> out of the three years. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, bro. Yeah. Um, so when I came back, I actually had a short stint here. Then I moved to Cape Town. I moved to Lusaka, Zambia. And then I moved to Malawi and to Mozambique. So That's again, crazy. It, this exposure was just, man, it was, wow. I was building into my bank every day, bro. Every day, my experience bank was great. So yeah. I, I am really, really privileged to have gotten that. But the first exposure point for me was in the tech industry because of what was happening in this side of the world. Um, we had the dot-com era back in the day, but also in uh, technology and in finance, uh, Kenya over the last couple of years, Sub-Saharan Africa, there was an explosion of uh, new products, new services, new processes brought about um, uh, brought about the versatility of what someone can do on a mobile phone. And I was smack in the middle of it when I started working for Safaricom and Pesa. And Safaricom and Pesa was rolling out a service that people didn't know. And man, Omina, it was wild because those days, trying to convince a Kenyan you can send money. Ati, utoeka pesa kwa simu yangu, alafu yende uko. Alafu are skeptics. We're such skeptics. Yeah. <laughs> It seemed like a con, but um, that's an, another lesson I learned actually during those days is the power of resilience. Like if you have a product that works, you have to pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch. And we pitched this product all over Kenya, rural Kenya, etc., etc. And yeah, right now Safaricom is where it is. But then also tech, also the exposure um, was in sports as well because I was a swimmer before. I was not in triathlon full-time. Um, going into the UK, triathlon is such a big sport in the UK. Moving to Cape Town, triathlon is such a big sport in Cape Town. Wow, okay. um, that's, yeah, that's how I transitioned into triathlon. Um, entertainment, I guess we'll speak a bit deeper about it later. But um, entertainment has been evolving every single day that I've been involved in. Yeah. On that point for sports, how was the how was the sports landscape in Kenya triathlon wise yeah. right yeah by the time you were now finding out it's also big in the UK it's also big in Cape Town and did you yeah. translate any of that back into now the the you fully immersing yourself in triathlon 
Yeah, no, Strathlon was really, really immature in Kenya. I think um, only, there was only less than 20 people doing triathlons. And I, I think, yeah, it, 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 we really had to like do a lot of the, this is, and this is what I always say. The guys who did early triathlon in Kenya, um, their sole purpose was to be the guys who will expose triathlon as, as a sport to other Kenyans. And by us telling our stories, being in the sport, uh, with limited experience, limited opportunities, hopefully we can inspire a, another generation to get into the sport. Right now, the sport has evolved, but men or mina during those days was no triathlon. Like, try what? No, that did not exist. Yeah. I ask that because I think it's important for for us, like for listeners to understand when it comes yeah. to building ecosystems that allow for growth in an industry. Uh-huh. So, for example, I take the knowledge of a house. If the living yeah. room is looking nice, nice, but the kitchen of this of the same house, you know, is looking yeah. a bit shabby, you know, we're not able yeah. to build sustainable infrastructure, right? Back to what you had mentioned earlier of of building building infrastructure around around these different areas that you work in. And I'm seeing yeah. I'm seeing the value in the fact yeah. that someone can pioneer something for other people to 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 be able to look at and and ideate around and be able to build on, right? Without necessarily um being, oh, I'm I'm the one who started this and I'm the only one who can do this, right? You know, yeah. that kind of mindset, that kind of mentality. And then yeah. and then you're able to to co- connect the dots around the same industry and elevate it. Because that's that's something that um I saw I saw when when I was in the States at a very young age, right? We had yeah. this uh, place called a recreational center. And it had yeah. like a couple of football fields, but it didn't just have football fields. It had an indoor mm-hmm. basketball court, an indoor ward, an indoor pool. And, and therefore, you build a certain um, ecosystem around that industry. Take the example yeah. of Rwanda, of what Rwanda um, is doing right now, right? With, with the amazing work that they've put into uh, yeah. building basketball, they didn't just stop there. Right, we're seeing some of the deals that they're pulling in with clubs like Bayern Munich, um, how they're really rebranding yeah. around that. I'd love to speak to you about yeah. that aspect of branding, right? Yeah. The reason I asked the original question is because when people speak about Kenya now, a lot of yeah. our athletes are shining globally, yeah. right? Yeah. But are there are there other aspects of the sports industry that are not being branded appropriately to allow for that kind of scale and infrastructure? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and bro, man, I agree with you 100%. Like, uh, to your earlier points, right now, uh, and that's why I really, I really consider myself an enabler. Right now, we have to be the guys who will build the ecosystem for the others to shine. And there's no shame in you not being the one shining. Actually, for me, my bigger satisfaction is if I see 500 other kids competing globally at that level, then I can say, yeah, yeah, let those guys take the glory. So, and but if we do not, if we are not the ones who are being the enablers and creating the ecosystem, um, then there's gonna be a big problem. Um, in terms of sports in Kenya and branding, I think um, we, first of all, Kenya is blessed. Kenya has amazing talent. Kenya has one of the greatest esport gamers in the world. Kenya has so many rally drivers, man. Kenya has so many athletic um, uh, individuals, both in male and female. Kenya has rugby players, footballers, cricket, fencing, skiing. Omina, did we know you were at the Winter Olympics? I did not know that. Yeah, there's an amazing young lady called Sabrina. You should meet her. She's a skier and she's Kenyan. Yeah. Like, we, we are in fencing we are, we are in kabaddi like we are in hockey we're in field hockey we're in ice hockey we are in so many different sports and it's testament to the diversity the people and the culture and the talent that we have as a country however the the one percent that we see out there to me is quite understated um what we really need to do right now as kenya we have just scratched the surface on, 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 from a branding perspective, from a development perspective, and most importantly, from a sustainability perspective. Um, and one of the biggest things I was discussing with my sports buddies the other day 
Kenya men, 3,000 meters, 3, meters chase. These days we don't win gold medals anymore, but that used to be like, that used to be our ugali, that used to be our breakfast. And it's because we've not built, built a model for sustainability. So what do we need to do? My quick solution for this is, it's not rocket science, it happens in other great sporting nations. We have to start developing the infrastructure from the early ages, from the young at the grassroots. Two, we need to go, we need to, we need to take the Nike model of branding and marketing and put it as uh, in the sporting industry in Kenya. What do you mean by if that? We, what, we, Nike, what I mean by that, yeah. What I mean by that is, first of all, take the model of the product. So Sports Kenya needs to become a product agent. It's not a product. So globally, people know that they are Kenyan runners, but Sports Kenya needs to become a thing. You know, like the English Premier League? Yeah, the English yeah. Premier League is that a product. Sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and the Engl- and bro, the English Premier League is making so much money for the UK. So we need to brand Sports Kenya. Then after we brand Sports Kenya and make it a product, we need to we need to then market it at a scale. And I'll use English Premier League because it works. Have you seen how many countries um, have bought TV rights for the English Premier League? Uh, do you yeah. see how they push how they push digitally their brand? That lion. Now yeah. they're doing the trophy is doing a tour globally. Did you know that? The trophy, so similar to the World Cup. Yes. Wow. The trophy, the trophy was in state house the other day. So as part of Sports Kenya, we have such a great asset right now in Kipchoge. What is the government doing with mm. Kipchoge? Kipchoge could be giving talks in, in, in East Timor. Yeah, and the revenue potential for this country from sports is unmeasurable. So that's what's missing from a branding, marketing, and sustainability perspective. That makes that makes so much sense, Nanjero. Um, and yeah, the the conversation that we had. Um, yeah. by the time the listeners listen to this, it will be the previous episode, right? So, guys, pause and then go hop onto the episode before this one. But one thing that <laughs> our guest. <laughs> What our guest was saying is that when it comes to this aspect of the solidarity that a country has and the identity that a country embodies, and again, we use the example of Rwanda, right, where the government is pushing a certain narrative and an agenda that is very well understood. And it is not just understood by the government and the leaders and the policymakers. It trickles down and it is for lack of a better term, indoctrinated in a positive way, right? The people are indoctrinated into this and they understand this. And so you find that the conversations about the, the, um, how good a country is, um, the the resources, the positive elements um, are not just being highlighted on media or, or in, in a a political conversation, but it's also something that the citizens understand and they run with. Um, You and I study with, a very big community of Rwandans and Mauritius, and you can hear how they speak about their country. It's not that their country is perfect, but they they know what is working and what needs to keep working for every, everything else around it to work. And, and so it, it's this sort of national consciousness that is there that needs to be ingrained. And I'd love, I'd love to now circle back to how we met Anjero. Yeah. And yeah. Um, this was through dope campus tour which is a fantastic yeah. um, initiative that you you guys are running you tell us a bit more uh, about that um i feel like it was filling that gap of knowledge yeah. capacity building and mentorship yeah. right yeah and it was hitting it at such a fundamental level where yeah. soul generation went to the people where the people are right yeah. these communities that exist these societies and it was solving for a simple knowledge gap, a simple mm-hmm. um, visibility of these artists. And by that, I mean, in terms of a student being able to see this artist in their school will change mm-hmm. how they think about the industry. And this is some of the, the impact that I was seeing of this um, initiative. And I'd love for you to tell us a bit about the thinking behind mm-hmm. that, yeah. that specific approach to um, to the yeah. entertainment industry. And what were some of the, what were some of the conversations that that you had to have internally to really flesh out this idea 
and start with this and then build on to this and this and this. Okay. So well, what we realized as a business is we decided to become a data-driven, data customer-centric business. And uh, before we launched the Dope Campus Tour, we really, really did research. We actually started a research department. Um, and the reason why we did that is we wanted to understand the nuances, um, the behavior, uh, what makes our consumers happy, etc., etc. And when we looked at the back end, at our back end, um, we realized that um, primarily the market that we were serving with soldier, um, soldier specifically, was the 18 to 25 markets. When we look, when we went to gender, it was an even split, male and female. So then I challenged my team to say, cool, 18 to 25 guys um, already identify with our core product, which is music and entertainment. Um, I, I, I then challenged them to ask, where, which spaces do these 18 to 25 um, guys uh, sit in? Two, what are their current challenges? What are their current fears? And what is it they really want to unlock into the future? And we came up with different things. Um, and actually, we did launch different products out of that, uh, including Peso. Um, but one that clearly came out was Dope Campus, was sorry, the Campus Space. And in the campus space, our research, our research showed us uh, that one, young people are really frightened by life after campus. We are, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so our research, our hypothesis yeah, is true. Eh? <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> yeah. Young people are extremely like, man, there's a lot of anxiety. When I graduate, what am I going to do? When I finish school, what am I going to do? What is my next step? How can I get gain success? And then coupled with the other side where there's a lot of influence on the internet, bro. And this influence makes young guys think that um, you can become an overnight star. Uh, even some of these TikTok guys did not make millions overnight. There was a process yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. right? Uh, 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 people like Aziad has put in the work, man. That lady, that young girl has put yeah. in the work. But a lot of young guys, you could see, like we were asking, who do you, who do you want to be? Um, I want to be like Aziad because Aziad made it quick, fast, and she's now a millionaire. But that's not true. And they, don't know the, they don't know about the process. They don't know about the process, man. She toiled and she worked. She worked. So we realized that um, there was a knowledge gap. And there was a knowledge gap, uh, and we realized that if we structure a product that infused entertainment, knowledge, and connecting people, and by connecting, I mean corporates and students together, we then could come up with such an interesting product that would influence and, and that would drive the narrative of um, discipline, discipline, order, passion, excellence as an enabler to success for young people. And, and this is why we really did this. And yeah, that was that was the foundation of how we started the Dope Campus Tour. That's awesome, Nanjero. When you yeah. when you look at the entertainment industry right now, right? Yeah. As you dig a bit deeper into this, yeah. How many people, companies, organizations do you see taking the same intentional design thinking approach to solving a yeah. problem as you as you earlier mentioned? Because because that's a it looks simple, but yeah. it takes a certain level of, of dedication and commitment to just understanding and speaking to people and asking questions, as you said, and challenging one another. Do you see that often in the industry? And unfortunately, not enough. Uh, not as much as mm. I'd like to see it. Uh, when I was in the UK, like literally 95% of companies operate the way I'm speaking in, in, in the entertainment space. I was working in a stadium in the UK and like even like selling beer in the stadium, there was a process behind it. It's quite incredible. Um, so this level of design thinking, problem solving, customer centricity in the, in the entertainment industry in Kenya has not deepened. 
However, there are institutions who are doing really well in this space, people like Blankets and Wine and Testament, Big Up Mudoni, you're doing an amazing Shout job. Shout out Mudoni, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Blankets and Wine is is is, is killing it. Um, Shoke Shoke Festival, guys. Man, they're building a sustainable business where they're recycling products. Oh my goodness, it's it's so it's so amazing. Um, in the film space, man, there are a lot of guys who are doing some sweet, incredible things. However, Omina, it's just 0.1%. So my, my challenge here now is how do we skip to your question? It's not happening. I think the challenge we need to put to ourselves is how do we inspire the rest of the other companies to take this approach? Yeah. So that that 0.1% is doing um is approaching things in this way. What is currently happening with the other 99.9%? What are some of those yeah. gaps that that you've been able to see from from a from a managerial standpoint in the industry yeah. with the artists that you manage the artists that you interact with what what are they doing wrong <laughs> right yeah. what are they not dedicating themselves to yeah so so there's there's the the first problem that i see in the industry right now is that there's a serious lack of professionalism um and unfortunately in a sector when there's no professionalism it opens up uh, a, a door for exploitation. So what I mean by this is, for example, if someone's rate card is 10,000 USD, if we all of us were professional in this industry, if all of the managers of the entertainers were professional, then that standard rate would go through and no one would lowball anyone. But because um, some, and it's quite a shame that some of the management teams of, of creatives um, do not treat their creatives as according to the brand value and the brand equity that they do have, then they get exploited. And um, not all corporates in Kenya exploit, but there's a level of exploitation for that. Now, to me, by this professionalism thing, I've asked myself, because it, it's something that really disturbed me. Is it a lack of knowledge? And do we need to say, cool, uh, it's a lack of knowledge. The this particular skill has not been there. We need to accelerate capacity building on the same and ensure that it happens. And I've seen that there are different programs. Heva is running a program on this. Mastercard Foundation is running a program on this, um, on, on building capacity skills for managers and for operational teams about, about around creatives. But second, also the other thing I ask myself, is it also a cultural and attitudinal an attitude problem? Whoa. And 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 whoa. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. Uh-huh. And it's important that we speak those things. Uh, and if it is, we we in industry need to start calling out that behavior. And we need to start ensuring that individuals who are known to take advantage, who have lack of professionalism, and who are not doing anything to grow this sector, are nowhere near this sector. Yeah. Nanjo, uh, what, what you just spoke about is something I came across in my research um, this summer. We met earlier on and I'd, I'd mentioned I'm doing my dissertation on the Kenyan music industry. So specifically right. the intersection between music and tech, um, how artists are generating right. revenue through music streaming platforms. And so in, in exploring some of the challenges and opportunities in this space, like one of the things I, I, I was able to observe is that there is a lack of knowledge amongst artists when it comes to quoting their value, right? And being able to set up structures around their brand that compensates them for their value, um, whether it's in terms of the deals that they sign, the sponsorships that they get, and so on and so forth. I felt like that was, that's, that's okay, a knowledge gap, right? Um, capacity building, as you mentioned. Then there's the other side of, of the, the corporates, right? And how they approach um, working with the industry there's a certain science behind how they operate and okay so that that can be pinned to okay structure and systems but then what i found that artists also feel is a bit insurmountable is when you start speaking about some of the policy frameworks and hold our government um, institutions accountable to being able to properly enable the industry and enable it correctly for someone who's listening to this and perhaps as an artist um or enthusiast or any kind of listener. And there's always that question of how is the government stepping into this? How are they building structures? 
what are the the different CMOs and and such organizations doing to to properly contribute to the industry? How would you how would you help them understand a bit about where the root cause of of it is when it comes to some of these policy frameworks? Who who should be held who should be held accountable and how can they start being held accountable? Yeah, so so we all have a part to play, and the thing about it is. Um, let me give an example of South Korea with K-pop. Mm. The government was very deliberate with uh, deepening the industry. Uh, as you know, uh, the industry in South Korea, heavy investment had be, has been put in culture. Um, it was a government program that uh, deliberately started from the grassroots. Um, that was an initiative to sell South Korean culture globally to the world. So government definitely has a place to play. I normally say with government, it's infrastructure. Let me use another industry as an example. Um, it's not the government's work to buy for you a Range Rover or a BMW, but it's the government's work to make sure that the roads uh, that connect different points of travel are there. So that when you have the money for a Range Rover, you're not struggling. So the government, of Kenya has to create the infrastructure that will enable all the players and all the ecosystem players in the creative arts industry to thrive. That is their role and they cannot run away from it. Um, creatives, their work and their role is to ensure that they are continuously improving themselves and coming up with products and craft that meets the requirements of consumers globally, not Kenya, Global, they have to adopt a global mindset, just the same way K-pop artists adopted a global mindset. For other stakeholders, um, corporates, etc., we need to start seeing the entertainment industry as an industry that they can leverage to be able to meet their, their to be able to meet their objectives. I'll give you an example. All of the companies that I've met in Kenya tell me, "Oh, we are interested in." building a better relationship with the youth. We want to deepen the youth market. We want to come up with products and services that speak to the youth. Omina, who speaks closest to the youth globally? The youth. Creatives. Yeah, it's uh -huh. creatives. It's creatives and it's sports people. So if you're saying that um, uh, uh, our goal is to ensure that we have a youth product or we are, we are we are we are transitioning to the youth and evolving to the youth and you your policies are not leveraging and working with creatives then i think there's a major disconnect um i uh, for directly in the music industry i sit on the board for right kenya and right kenya is um is is an institution and a body that seeks to protect um the rights um, of recording artists, producers, and everyone in the music industry. So what I'd say, a direct reference is, please join Right Kenya. It's a safe space for you. And you'll be able, we will, we will be able to ensure that you get your dues and that whatever, um, whatever environment you need to be able to uh, enable your craft, will, you will get it, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that plug, Nigeria. For those listening, we will put a lot more details um, about how to join um, the group that Nigeria has mentioned in the show notes um, for you guys to plug into that. Um, Nigeria, we're, we're slowly winding down in the conversation. Um, Already? <laughs> imagine. Uh, but we still have, I still have two, two questions to go, right? Um, let's, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Yeah. And the first one is a very selfish one. I, <laughs> It's a backstory that I want to to tell you. I I spoke to Lingba about this um in a couple of our uh, other networks. The the first time that we met, it was the first time that we were working together, and there's the sort of conflict that came up as a result of um, communication channels breaking down, and yeah. protocols not being followed accordingly. And I remember how I felt that evening. I felt like I had let you down. I had let my people down. This is a really awful first impression. And 
And ideally, I saw it. I saw it as a failure to an extent. Um, and I'd yeah. love to speak to you about your relationship with failure, because okay. when it comes to, I I heard this somewhere. Was it yeah. was it one of our guests? Anyway, but what they said was the beautiful thing about sports is sports is one of the places you can put your all in and still come up short because someone someone touched a handball in the box and now you have a last minute penalty and then oh the world yeah. cup is gone and so on and so forth and i think i think sports is one of those places where you're forced to build a relationship a healthy relationship with failure not one yeah. that doesn't address it or subverts it but one that learns to manage it and work through it mm-hmm. and from playing sports at a young age i think i think that that's one place where i really build that kind of acumen I love to understand when it comes to you in in these three areas of work, right? That you have sports, entertainment, and tech. How have you navigated your relationship with failure? Because I think it's important for young people to understand to understand this. And the beautiful thing about you is they get to hear it from three different perspectives, right? Um, how have you nurtured that kind of relationship? Um, has it evolved over time? Were there instances where, or a point in your life where you didn't deal with failure or handle failure? the best way possible um and where where would you say you are at now when it comes to um to to managing failure yeah so in my early days i was not very i i i really didn't have the skills to be able to understand what failure was failure used to really put me down and it used to make me anxious um however i learned two things out of failure one Failure actually gives you the experience to do things better next time, right? And, 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 and actually, what I did then learn with failure is if you fail in an area which you feel is your purpose in life, then it becomes easier for you to pick up and move to the next lesson and to the next iteration. But if you fail... And, you, and you're feeling, man, I failed, and you're not seeing any way, anywhere, anywhere or anywhere out of it, then you really need to ask yourself whether that line of work that you're doing or that line of every day that you're doing is really your purpose. Uh, and I just allow me to take that one step back because I feel, Omina, a lot of us are stuck in loops. We are stuck on a treadmill where we are doing things that do not add emotional value to us um they do not add any gratification to us we do not see any future in them and we're only doing it because it's a means to an end and don't get me wrong because uh, some people would say oh but nigeria you're you have privilege but i didn't get privilege in the beginning what i'm saying is the first step you need to do is to identify what the area that you're playing in the field that you're playing in. are you passionate about it um, do you see a purpose around it? And do you see a long-term future in it? Then once you have that foundation, when you start executing, the failure points will come. And when the failure points come, what I've learned is one, take them as a lesson. And my first lesson is I will never repeat the same failure again. Ever. Ever. Because if I do it again, it means that I didn't learn anything. But also it means that I'm not serious with the growth that I want. Then secondly, from my years of research, I did realize all great innovations and great products either came from um, uh, failure points or came from discoveries that people didn't know about. It was just an oops moment. Accidents. So were... <laughs> yeah, there were accidents. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or they came from a problem-solving environment. And what, do, what, what is problem-solving? Problem-solving is making a failure a success. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. you adopt that mindset and you continuously work that way of where you're not repeating the same thing over and over again, I, 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 I honestly say twice. And second, most importantly, you're using it as a stepping stone towards your overall goal then you'll become you'll begin seeing failure as an ally to you wow that's a that's a beautiful toolkit 
that's a very, very, very specific um, and sound advice for our listeners. Hope you guys were able to catch on to that. Um, thank you for sharing that, Nigeria. And I'm getting, I can also see your relationship with aspects of discipline and consistency. Um, that exactly. From what you just said, um, even with Dope Kappa's tour, if I'm not, if I remember correctly, the D stands for discipline. Yes. Um, and yeah, that's definitely something that that stands out um, as well, Nanjero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To bring it home, right? Mm-hmm. I'd love to speak about the season of life that you're in now. What are some of the things that you're working on at the moment that are exciting you um, and you're really, really excited or rather really, really purposely and intentionally positioning yourself and the people around you to be able to execute and deliver on? Um, for our listeners who are who are either in college, um, early graduates, at whatever point in their life, is there anything that that you're currently working on that that would be of value to them um, to to learn about on on this call? Dope, dope. Thanks, Omina. Um, I'm currently in a very beautiful phase and a very beautiful season. Uh, it's 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 such a privilege, and I think every day when I wake up in the morning, I see a halo around me. And I hope I get stuck here. <laughs> I don't want to get out of here. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things I'm working on right now is uh, we are authoring a comic. Um, it's going to be distributed by Soul Kids, which is one of our uh, sister companies. To me, I'm very excited about this because Omina, everything we've spoken about in this podcast today is going to be in that comic. But it's Whoa. going to be in that yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. And it's going to be in that comic in the art and form of storytelling. Right? So let me explain to you why we decided to do it that way. Omina, if I'm going to say that I'm going to enable uh, the youth, uh, that I'm going to positively impact the youth, and I'm going to give them lessons that will help them navigate life and, and the world, I have to do it in the spaces in which they are comfortable in. And our research showed us that uh, the youth love comics. Maga is killing it, man. It's, it is so... globally, globally. Yeah, yeah. And man, some of the things that Marvel are doing, Kenyan youth really enjoy comics. So we are going to do that. We are going to infuse a value-based society and storytelling and becoming into that comic. And I'm very excited about it. We fully adopted design thinking into it. Um, we created our backstory, the logo, the characters, everyone. We had we had a group of students who we worked with. We used A-B testing. Um, we infused their insights. Man, Dope Campus Tour was also part of it. Students told us, oh, maybe you should put an Afro on that guy. The villain should be a bit chubby. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the process was so beautiful, Omina. Um, and, and to me, we're going to launch this comic this year. So look out for it. Please follow Supanjero, S-U-P-E-R-N-J-E-R-O on our socials. Um, the other exciting thing I'm working on right now is, um, so we did realize that creatives right now, uh, are underrepresented. So what I mean is uh, creatives are going around and they're, they're developing their craft. However, operations and management teams is a gap out there. So we have started um, an agency that will help creatives unlock themselves, unlock opportunities for themselves and grow themselves and also unlock the revenue streams that they duly deserve. So we are going to be a connector between creatives and corporates and customers and stakeholders. Then finally, a very exciting project we're working on with Soul Generation. We are in the process of discovering the next East African supergroup. <laughs> and this is really Let's beautiful. Because, passing passing yeah. the mantle. Man, it's, yeah. it's really, yeah, it's really beautiful because this time it's not in-house. The funds are getting involved. So we're collecting all these talent videos and we're putting them out there and we're asking you for your opinion. Guys, tell us who you want to be in this super group, right? Work with us this journey. And once we choose um, these talented young guys who are going to be in this super group, 
we'll take them through the same artist development program that made Ben Sol and Viri superstars. And we're going to launch them next year and they're going to become global stars. So yeah, so those are the three key things I'm working on right now, Mina. Guys, you can tell from how Nanjai is talking about these things that it's about to go down. It's going to be epic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, sorry, 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 bro. One last sorry. thing. Let's go. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm currently training for one of the most extreme triathlons in the world. I'm not at liberty to say which one it is, but I'm very excited about this and details will come soon. So in, my, in the sporting space, I'm working on an interesting triathlon. And yeah, keep it locked. There we go. There we go. Nanjero, on behalf of Bodrum Bata and our community, we're here to support you. Let us know what you need us to do. If you need us to vote for some artists, if you need us to plug it, <laughs> let us know. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's, it's very important uh, for people to know that because the aim of this platform is also to plug people to such opportunities. Um, and so we are here to support you and we celebrate you um, as someone who is really, really changing things um, in this country. The last That's- segment that we're going to go into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the last segment that we're going to go into is known as the elevator segment. Um, this is a quick fire question round. Nigeria to put you on the hot seat a little bit. If if the seat hasn't been hot already. <laughs> right. Let's do it, man. <laughs> uh, so picture this, right? We've just finished our conversation in the boardroom. You walk into the elevator and before, or rather as you get into the lift, um, one of our interns stops you and has a couple of elevator questions to ask you as you go down. Um, let me know if you're ready for this, Nanjero. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm ready. Super. Super, Nanjero. Let's <laughs> 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 see what I did there. Your character. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the first question, mm-hmm. what did you care about when you were 20 years old that you don't care about anymore these days? Um, love and affection from the whole world. Hey, come on. All right. If they were making a movie about your life, ah, I love this question. If they were making <laughs> a movie about your life and you have to choose one person to act as Nanjero in this movie. In fact, let's make it a superhero movie. You need to choose someone yeah. to act, um, play your part in this movie. Who would it be? I thought it would be you, Omina. Ah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> it obviously is going to be you, man. Nazar <laughs> uh, is sourcing me up over here, guys. Hey, he's about to yeah. sign me. Anyway, yeah, it, 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 it's you, but also it's my brother because my brother understands me inside out. And mm-hmm. I, he'll have to do 96 different cuts of this movie. He'll do mm-hmm. it straight in. That's beautiful. Shout out to your brother. Last yeah. question. Hmm. Picture, picture a billboard, right, in the yeah. busiest city in the world, and you're yeah. tasked with writing a message on that billboard that would metaphorically communicate a message to millions of people every single day. What would be on your yeah. billboard, Nanjero? You are enough. Hmm. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, you are enough. Uh, that's a beautiful... <laughs> That's a beautiful, beautiful way to wrap this up for us, Nanjero. I've had so much fun. I've had so much fun in this conversation. I got to learn about you um, a lot deeper than I did before. Our listeners got an opportunity to meet you and learn from you. And for that, Nanjero, I am very, very grateful. Thanks, Omina, for having me on here. Man, my biggest regret is I don't even know where this one hour has gone. I feel like <laughs> I've only, <laughs> I feel like I've only given you five percent, and uh, uh, my door is always open. You know that. If you ever need the other ninety-five percent, come collect it. Thank you. I definitely will, and we definitely will. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for sticking around. If you've stuck around this far, then you are part of our top one percent. Um, and we appreciate the time that you take um, to be here with us. We do two podcast episodes a week. On Tuesdays, we do founder, we do uh, guest episodes. And on Fridays, we do Founders Friday. We haven't been um, publishing our Founders Friday episodes for a couple of weeks. But from next week, we're hopping back into that. And we hope you can plug in 
We also have a community that we launched and a period for you guys to interact with our guests such as Nanjero um, and our guests from around the world. And not just that, but also get a chance to interact with one another and learn from each other and cultivate such communities and such sustainable models. So we hope you can get a chance to plug into that. You can find us on all popular listening platforms or on social media. Just type up Bodum Banter. And if you listen to this, when you type it up, the first face you're going to see this Nanjero. So you better hop in and you better interact with the opportunities that he just mentioned. Thank you. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye, everyone.